Hi, you're listening to Beyond Mental Illness with Lauren Coker. Please remember to leave a review on iTunes and Anchor. Um, If you have any questions or anything like that or something you would like to talk about, send me a message and I would gladly love to um, follow that. Also, be sure to read my blog at thebipolarmama.com or follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebipolarmama. Hello. So the original plan was to do this every Monday and Wednesday um, and have them uploaded. Unfortunately, Wednesday I had a panic attack, so I had to take some of my anxiety meds, which make me super, super drowsy. Um, I kind of feel drunk when I'm on them, and my speech slurs a little bit. Um, I have a list to start with, so adding slurring on top of it only exaggerates that, something kind of I'm self-conscious about. Plus, I had a hard time, like, thinking it was kind of like my brain was going through mud um so everything wasn't really firing on all four cylinders so i foregoed recording on wednesday thursday i recorded this amazing podcast um went to upload it my internet apparently decided to be the speed of dial-up that day um i don't know why i mean the internet company we have is terrible to begin with but Um, it finally uploaded and then I went to pull it up in the library and it was gone. I recorded this through the Anchor app on my phone, so I didn't have a backup. I probably should figure something out about that and do that in a better way. But anywho, I've been doing this by the fly to see my pants, so it's kind of like I get an idea and I start talking about it, so I don't have like outlines and stuff, so I can't really refer back to what I said yesterday. Um, I don't script this. Uh, I'm not really good at uh, planning and organizing. It's not one of my strong suits. Therefore, you kind of get what I have. So if this podcast sometimes seems all over the place, it's because my brain is all over the place. So today I want to talk particularly about stigma. Um, This will actually be a recurring theme in a lot of my podcasts. First, just to define stigma, stigma according to Merriam-Webster, is a set of negative and often unfair beliefs that a society or a group of people have about something. Um, Stigma is often associated with mental illnesses. Um, An example of stigma would be like when I was talking about yesterday, or not yesterday, in my previous podcast um, about my experience in a psychiatric center, um, a common stigma is people who belong to psychiatric centers are the, you know, in the movies, they're the people walking around drooling in their gowns or you hear them screaming in the background. You think of like um, Girl Interrupted, which is one of my favorite movies, or a scenes from like a horror movie or um, American Horror Story Asylum. Like those kind of tropes is what a lot of people focus on. And the problem with that is... While they're great for entertainment, a lot of people take that as face value. So that's what they think it's like. Therefore, A, if there's someone in need of going to a mental health facility, they avoid it because they feel like they're going to end up some sort of science experiment with a lobotomy and some sort of doctor preying on them. Or you are someone who automatically assumes that someone with a mental illness who goes to those kind of facilities are those kind of people. They're like criminals and, you know, they're out of their minds and they're, they're untrustworthy and there's a lot of things that go along with it. 
what the big problem with that is, is it prevents a lot of people from getting not only the help that they need, but the support that they need, because there's a huge misunderstanding about how mental illness really works. Now, there are lots of mental illnesses. Um, there are different kinds. There are mood disorders. I went over a lot of this in my last podcast. Um, so understanding even the gist, I mean, we all learn about them and we glaze over them in high school health. And I feel like the problem with the way high school health classes teach it is they teach it in such a fan, they teach it in such a clinical manner that it's very hard to relate it to a person. So a lot of times you think about, oh, well, so-and-so is this you know, crazy person, because this is how it was described to me in a um, health project. I know like one year in health, we had to pick a, like a disorder and we had to make a presentation about it. And I saw a lot of flags when they were talking about bipolar disorder, but I didn't, I was too ashamed to say anything because of the responses that were being given to the presentation of the material. Like, you know, like, oh, this person's just a psycho. Or even the clinical matter, it was hard to relate to being someone there. So I really wish that they would use more examples and not so much the extremes. Um, because there are people who can be like that, and, but they're an extreme. A lot of people tend to, you know, fall towards the middle. Um, there's something, and it's not... It's being discussed more. So there's something about being called a, a functional person or functional mental illness or functional depression is actually what it's called that's been going around. But this can apply to other mental illness. I know someone who is schizophrenic who is also a, a nurse, and she's a functional person with her schizophrenia. She, she has her breakdown. She has bad days. She has gone on and off her meds, but she still is a functioning member of society. And I feel like these are the people that should be the examples of what mental illness looks like, what disorders like. It's the majority of people with these disorders are functional, everyday people. They're, you know, they have jobs, they have families, you know, they, they somehow trudge from day to day. Um, a lot of them wearing a mask, which I'll get to here in a little bit. Sorry, mouth was getting dry. But they still function on some level. Some people are high functioning. Some people are minimal functional. They, you know, they get barely through their day and then they get on to the next task. Um, there's a, a spoon theory, if you haven't heard of it. Um, there are other forms of this theory. People have used candles, matches. Um, but I feel like Spoon theory is the most commonly used theory, so I will explain that. Spoon theory is the idea that every day someone starts with a certain number of spoons. And each task that you complete in a day requires one spoon. So as you go through the days, you lose all your spoons to the point where at the end of the day, or the end of your energy, your energy is represented as spoons, then you have zero spoons left. So someone for myself would have to 
kind of plan out how am I using my spoons today? What, what do I need to use my energy? Because once I'm out of spoons, that's it. That's all I can do. I've, I've done what I could for the day. So what exactly do I need to do and get done and prioritize what I'm expending my energies towards? Because, you know, number one on my list is always, you know, get my kids ready for the bus for school. You know, that's always a spoon. Um, cooking dinner is a spoon. I don't have to cook dinner every night. Uh, cooking dinner is actually a coping skill for me, which will be another episode. Um, I really enjoy cooking. It helps relax me. So it's something I always try to save a spoon for. Uh, sometimes a spoon can be as simple as taking a shower um, on my really bad days. Uh, on a good day, it might be going for a walk or taking my dogs outside to play or writing a blog post. You know, there's no set list of what a spoon is. It's these tasks and it's up to the individual to decide what tasks are going to get what energy. Um, so that's why functionality is such a hard thing to... Um, pinned down when it comes to someone with mentalist one, because once again, it is a very much an individual disease. Everyone's, you have a subset, you have bipolar disorder, but it affects everyone differently. So depression affects everyone differently. There's different levels of functionality. So for people, it's hard to grasp because when you are neurotypical, uh, someone who doesn't have to deal with any of these disorders, um, whether it be PTSD, anxiety, uh, borderline personality disorder, schizophrenia, psychosis, any of these things. Simple tasks are simple. They don't understand the gravity of what it is to someone like myself, where getting a shower is like climbing a mountain. It requires a lot of energy to get myself up, to get myself into the shower, to get myself back out of the shower, and to get myself dressed. It is a very hard task. And I've talked to other people who have um, other invisible illnesses, like a friend of mine, she has fibromyalgia, and we've discussed you know, the difficulties of something as simple as taking a shower. So they're, they're, they're cross lines. So when it's something that isn't seen and you just expect it and it's kind of just an everyday task, you kind of take it for granted because you're like, well, I get up, I do this, I do that. Like, oh, it's no big deal. Yeah, I have crappy days, you know, and, but I still, you know, I, 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 what, I hate this fucking sentiment. I pull myself up by the bootstraps and just just hurry through my day, which is fine for you, but that's not how it works for everyone else. And when you stop expecting people with a mental illness to function as you do, it makes it a lot easier to understand how they function. Because, you know, you, you get those people who don't understand, and I, I apologize if this triggers anyone, um, something known as, you know, as suicide. Like, I don't understand. I would never do that. Of course you wouldn't because you're of sound mind. You're neurotypical. Your brain is functioning the way it should have. Someone who is 
struggling with suicidal ideations. Their brain is not functioning in the form it should be. It's not working like it should. Your, your brain's job is to keep you alive. So if your brain is not doing that and you're having thoughts that would not keep you alive, then obviously something is not right. It's like if your shower is leaking and the water just keeps dripping, you're not going to walk up to the shower and be like, get your shit together, shower, quit dripping. No, something obviously is not right and you need to replace it. I apologize for my dog. And you're going to do something to fix it. So, sorry, I lost, lost track of thought. Anyway, so... To have someone always after you and expecting, setting these expectations, it makes it hard to come and ask for help when they need it, but it also perpetuates that stigma. Come full circle. So it perpetuates the stigma because you're setting expectations for someone to act like you are and not validating the fact that their brain does not work in the way it does. Okay, so you're lending in the fact that like, oh, when so-and-so, you know, she, she is unreliable because, you know, she'll be there, she'll be there, and all of a sudden she'll disappear. Or you notice that things start to fall apart. Instead of thinking like, oh, so-and-so struggles with depression, you know, maybe she's going through another de depressive phase, and this is why she's slipping up at work. Maybe this is why she doesn't look as kept as she usually does. Why don't I reach out? And see if there's anything she can she can do or I can do to help her out or him out or they out. Um. It it creates um, a barrier because there's a certain level of shame that I myself. I'm not going to speak for anyone. I have some other have mentioned the sentiment. There's a certain level of shame about not functioning the way you're supposed to, because for the majority, most of us are well aware that we are not functioning the way we're supposed to. Um, especially if you are someone who's been dealing with your particular illness for years now. Um, you know, I was diagnosed originally at 16 they suspect it was something I had since the second grade. Um, after 16, it was really hard. But over the years, I, I've come to notice that my brain doesn't work like everyone else's. I really see the difference between how I function and how regular people function. So there's a certain amount of shame because there's a societal, um, and a, a societal standard that you're to conform to the masses. This is how you're supposed to be. You're supposed to follow the line in line, dot to dot to dot to dot. You know, you, you, you go to school, you go to some sort of secondary schooling, you get a job, you know, this American dream and as a functional person, and if you are not making it to these levels, then you are less than, which is, you know, whole other political discussion we could get into and social statuses and other such nonsense, but that's for a different kind of podcast. The problem is, is people who can't reach that end up falling through the cracks. This is why there are so many people with mental illness in prisons. Um, there are so many people with mental illness who are homeless. 
this is why so many people with mental illness are uh, kind of fallen into an in-between state. Uh, because they're not getting the support that they need and they're not getting the understanding because it's very hard to understand something you can't see. Um, there's no, I mean, there are visible signs if you know what to look for, but there isn't an actual, like, you couldn't look at me and be like, oh, she has bipolar disorder. Like, she has bipolar one with mixed states and psychotic episodes. You, there's no way you would know that. The only way you know that is that I tell you. Um, and a lot of people, particularly myself, so I'm going to talk for myself here for a minute. I'm very good at, at making myself look together. I understand how I'm supposed to look so I can convey how I'm supposed to look. I can mimic social standards so people don't catch on to that there's something wrong with me. Um, I'm very good at having that mask when everything is crumbled behind me. Like, if you go on my Facebook, uh, very rarely do I post... I, I mean, I'm more vocal now since my last hospitalization, obviously. But prior to that, I was very good at being quiet about it. Keeping it to myself. Oh, you know, if you look at my Facebook, I was doing fucking fine this year. I was doing fabulous the last two years. Now, the fact that... Around June, July area, I started hearing, well, I was hearing voices, but I heard really loud voices to that point. My paranoia was completely, completely out of control. I was a fucking mess. A mess. I wasn't sleeping. There were days where I couldn't get out of the house because I was too paranoid to leave my house. Um, I wasn't eating. I was not taking care of myself. Um, I was using what little spoons I had to take care of my kids. And that was about the, about as far as I got. My kids were fed, bathed, they made it to school. But beyond that, I, I was a fucking mess falling apart at the seams. And no one, no one knew because I kept it to myself because I felt ashamed because you feel, you almost feel like a failure because you couldn't keep it together because you can't be the person that society expects you to be. And it's really easy to be like, oh, well, you know, fuck society standards. You can't, you can, you can be whoever you want to be, you know, be your own person, which is great for those who have the accessibility to do so. However, when you are someone with an illness, I can't just be whoever I want to be. I can't just fall apart because one, people don't accept it as an excuse. You're, you're being lazy. Um, you know, you just don't really care. Uh, you don't really love the people that you're with. You're self-centered. You're selfish. You, all you can think about is yourself and it gets tiring. It gets very tiring to try to hold yourself up together and, um, reach them, want to reach out for help. That and people, and that's just not excuse. So another kind of stigma thing is like, oh, once you're on meds, you're fine, right? Like this just goes away. Oh, you should be better now. Oh, we're doing this again. Like, oh, we'll be here for you this time. But the next time it happens, I don't know if we'll be so certain to be around you. So understanding, not realizing that for most of us, 99.9% .9 of us, this is a lifelong struggle. I will never, ever 
not have bipolar disorder. This will be the rest of my life. I will be on medications for the rest of my life. I will change medications for the rest of my life. Things will stop working. They'll come out with new stuff. There'll be reasons why I have to come off of stuff. I was on one medication. I was losing the feeling in the tips of my finger, so we had to do on something else. I was on lithium. It made me feel completely deadpan and emotionless, which I hated because I like feeling emotions. I am an emotional person, naturally as my own person. So then, you know, that doesn't work. And then there comes in the, not so much a stigma, but a problem why I have a lot of times kept myself from telling people is, you know, they start to see disorder and they stop seeing you. You become the disorder. And it's hard because you fight so hard to not be the disorder. You fight so hard to be your own person. But then people see you as they want to see you as the disorder, not as the person you want them to see you, if that makes any sense at all. And it's frustrating because you're working so hard and they're pushing back against you. So then simple things as like, oh, well, you're getting awfully emotional about this. Are you taking your meds? I see you're really upset. Like, no, I am taking meds. I have fucking emotions because I'm a goddamn person. I get irritated. I get um, emotional. If I haven't slept well in a couple of days, which happens to everyone, of course I'm going to be irritable. Of course I'm going to be pissed off. But then they start taking that away from you so it invalidates you as a person. So then it takes away whatever strength that you're trying to rely on to keep fighting because this is a very tiring fight um, and it's a long one. And sometimes you just want to walk, wake up and just feel like a fucking person. There's want to wake up and not have to take your meds in the morning or you're tired and you want to go to bed and you realize you didn't take your meds. So you have to get back out of bed and go take it. Like there's things like that you don't want to do, but you keep doing because you know, it keeps you on track but eventually it grows tiring. And in a stigma-free world, all these people would have a support system. They would have people behind it. They would have understanding. If they fell down, there would always be someone there to pick them back up. But people don't understand because they, you know, they're like, oh, I, I help her. And then she fell down again and I helped her out. Well, you can only help them so many times before that, you know, what is it? You know, start helping yourself. And it, it, it's emotionally wearing. And I can see why there are so many people out there who do give up, um, which I'm not justifying that. I feel like you should always fight. You shouldn't have to fight for acceptance, you should fight for yourself. And the only way we gain acceptance is by sharing our story. But I have so many friends that can't show, share the story. Like the friend who is schizophrenic, like if she shared that she was schizophrenic, she could lose her job. Even though she does a great job, you know, she, she's perfectly capable of doing her position. She could possibly lose her position. And that's scary because you're, you're taking away someone's stability because of an un- unknown and under un- unknown and the inability to understand because there's a stigma even in those who've worked into the medical community because you know there's people working in hospitals who work with these patients who may be you know 
an extreme case. So this is all they see. So this is all they understand. Or maybe they had someone in their life who was um, out of control and unmedicated and it affected their lives in a negative way. You know, I was angry at my grandmother for many years. She was a schizophrenic um, on and off medication. She caused a lot of drama in my family. And I was very angry with her for a long time. And I kept you know, for a long time thought that this is what a schizophrenic looks like. Like you can't, you can't trust them because they're manipulative and things like that. And now I have a greater understanding of the struggle she would go through because she would, um, this happened a couple of times, a couple of times, but the one time I remember, I remember being pulled out of school because my grandmother overdosed because she went off her meds and then she took them all at the same time. Um, she lived until her 70s, but I didn't understand why she did it at the time, but now I do because you just want to feel okay. And the medicine is what makes you feel okay, but there's a shame to taking that medicine. You should just feel okay um, without the medicine, which, you know, there's that whole health and wellness movement bullshit that uh, it's completely another podcast on that end. But, you know, if you are doing something that works for you and it's actually, actually helping you, you're actually coping well, it is a healthy coping skill mechanism. You know, you're not hurting anyone else. You're not lying to yourself saying that it works because we have all done that. Um, then you should be able to do it. Whether it's taking medicine, um, I do take medicine. I've started, I did yoga in the past. I started doing yoga because it helps. Um, I play roller derby because it helps. So there are things out there that can help as coping skills, but not a replacement. Um, I will always be 100% uh, behind, you know, medication and therapy. I feel like those are your first two defenses and then everything else is an added bonus to help you feel and cope and feel like a normal person. Um, I don't really want these to be super long. So I see I'm like at like 20 minutes. So I apologize. I've been trying to kind of keep them down. I'm not sure what a good time frame is like between the 15 uh, 30 minute mark, I think is an average for a lot of podcasts, unless it's like one of these in-depth ones. Um, so I want to thank you once again for listening. I will be posting again on Monday. I am now on Spotify. So be sure to find me on Spotify. Uh, I'm also on Anchor, Stitcher. Uh, at one point I will be on iTunes. I haven't made it to iTunes yet. We're still in the progress of getting this podcast onto there. But if you are on any of those other platforms, be sure to listen to me and share with your friends, invite your friends. If you have any questions at all, um, feel free to send me a voice message or I have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash the bipolar mama. You know, send me a message if there's something you would love to talk about. Uh, leave it in the comments. Uh, Once again, I am 100% grateful for your listening and have a great day.